0: We are changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. Our feelings are just feedback. And that feedback is constantly giving us valuable insights as to what still needs to be healed. It is that simple. (laughs) and It is that complicated. When you continuously follow your passion and do what brings you joy, adding more pleasure and fun to your life, You can't go wrong. You can't fail. I pinky swear that to be true. Welcome to How to Be a Human with Lise Wilcox. I love this conversation. Hello. Hello. And welcome back to How to Be a Human, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. That's me, and I'm a conscious relationship coach bent on changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love and I am sitting here kind of like vibrating <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a particularly high frequency today because the guest that is joining me <laughs> from New York City today on the show is Terry Cole. And if you want to talk about changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love, having all kinds of impacts on relationships, uh, this this is a good time to introduce Terry Cole. She is a New York-based licensed psychotherapist, relationship expert, and founder of The Real Love Revolution. Boundary Bootcamp and the co-founder of Crushing Codependency, her female empowerment brand courses, reach women in over 90 countries. Prior to her current incarnation as a love and boundaries expert, Terry was a bicoastal talent agent, negotiating endorsement contracts for supermodels and celebrities. Her eventual disenchantment with the world of entertainment led her to change careers in her 30s to become a psychotherapist and an empowerment expert. She has since made it her mission to teach as many women as possible, to establish and maintain effective boundaries with ease, and create and sustain healthy, vibrant relationships. For the past two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most well-known personalities, from international pop stars, athletes, Broadway performers, and TV personalities, to thought leaders and Fortune 500 CEOs. This is my own personal goal. She empowers over a quarter million people weekly through her published articles and blog posts, illuminating videos, therapeutic meditations, online courses, and her popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show. Her approach combines the best of practical psychology and Eastern mindfulness practices. She has a gift for making complex psychological concepts, accessible, and then actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change. For example, true transformation. Do you see why I'm so excited to have her on the show today? (laughs) She has been featured as an expert therapist and master life coach on A&E's Monster In-Laws, TEDx, The Lisa Oz Show, Real Housewives, and had a weekly radio show on Hey House Radio. Plus, a regular contributor to the HuffPost, Positively Positive, The Daily Love, Well and Good, and has been featured in Italian L, Forbes, Origin, Vogue, Self, and was honored to grace the cover of Inspired Coach magazine. Oh, Mademoiselle Terry Cole, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you here.
1: Well, Elise, thanks for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Uh, so you're joining us from New
1: York City? From upstate New York, actually. Up, upstate
0: now. New York? I have dreams about living in a cabin in the woods and all of my vision board is centered around upstate New York.
1: <laughs> well, I say move here. You would love it.
0: <laughs> I think I really would.
1: I, really think, I think I very much
0: would. So the other day I was scrolling through Instagram, as I often do, and one of your posts mm-hmm. popped up and I felt like it hit me in the face and then hit me in the heart. Mm-hmm. And I reached out immediately. And that post was that fear of rejection drives codependency. And I would love to dig way deep down into this because I think that's something, I don't know, I personally relate to, I see it with my clients
1: and this really is, this is more for me.
0: <laughs> this is more for me.
1: <laughs> and you know, least this is really, truthfully, for everybody yeah, because so we really do all struggle with this. So where do you want to start? (laughs) Can you define, as
0: I would call a leading expert, can you define what codependency looks like and what does it not look like? Okay.
1: So according to Terry Cole, codependency is being when you are overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, and the outcomes of the people in your life to the detriment of your own internal peace or your own life. So that looks like not knowing what is your side of the street and what is someone else's side of the street. It's when you feel like someone else is making a decision or in trouble, like they have a problem, Mm -hmm. and it actually feels like it's you. Yes. Literally, your heart is beating fast. You're starting to sweat. You're like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. this is... Terrible, awful things going to happen to them, but it's like it's happening to mm-hmm. you. So that's one way of describing
2: mm-hmm.
1: what it looks like. Um, what it doesn't, what it isn't, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll expand on all of these.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It isn't caring about the people in your life, right? That's normal. Mm-hmm. It isn't being appropriately invested in the people you love. That's normal, mm-hmm. right? Wanting to. You know, asking your partner if they want to brainstorm the situation that they're in for solutions, that's being loving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, doing things on your own, going on Google, mm-hmm. doing like a, you know, color-coded PowerPoint about what they should do and how you know what they should do <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: is codependent. Because at its base, codependency is disordered boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's also, though, covert and overt Bids for control. Okay. Okay. Control of what specifically? Control of outcomes. Control of we're so afraid of someone making a a wrong. Like we're we're trying to avoid bad things happening. Yes. Um, We would like to avoid confrontations too. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We would like to avoid being rejected as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We would like to avoid having to say no to people usually as well. So it's a very, in a way, when we communicate and interact in our relationships in this codependent way, we're not intentionally doing this. But what happens is we're centering the experiences of other people on us. Yes. So when you auto-advice give, right, this is a part of being codependent or codependent behavior, Mm -hmm. you're not saying, well, I don't know. Lise, what do, you, what do you think you should do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were there. What is your gut saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How does it feel? If you did know the answer, what would it be yeah. for you, right? That's not doing that. When you're a codependent, you're like, oh, my God, I know this. Yeah. A friend of mine had the same thing. And I'll connect you with this person. And I know this person. And here, I just bought you this book on Amazon. It will be there yeah. Tuesday. And I. we are literally so that that blocks intimacy mm-hmm. in your relationships. Because when we know how to have expansive um, conversations with the people we love, A, we're coming from the perspective
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that they know, even if they don't know at this moment, more than we do, quote unquote, what they should do because there's no wrong answer, right? It's just experiences. Mm -hmm. Now, unless you're talking about shooting heroin or something, you know, like robbing a bank, right? Then I guess we can say there's I don't know that we can spare people from what they got to learn, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we can agree that we all can agree that's not the greatest. You know, I tell this story about being codependently attached to mm-hmm. someone I was very close to in my life. I still am, um, and she always was the one who had the bad relationships and was in abusive relationships, and I was always the one who was going to hire the thing and get rid mm-hmm. of the thing and move her out of the abusive thing, but right. she's going to go back to the abusive thing. And, and so I was talking to my therapist, and I was crying hysterically and being like, I don't understand, like, how can she stay in this terrible situation? Mm-hmm. She's living in the woods without running water with this person who's abusive to her and who's addicted to crack and yeah. whatever. It was really bad. Like, mm-hmm. that's literally no exaggeration. That was exactly the situation. Wow. And my th- I was like, you know, I don't get it. And I have to fix it was really my, you know, my, my cry the entire time. Yeah. And finally, my therapist, Ruth, said, Terry, let me ask you, what makes you think you know mm-hmm. what Jenna needs to learn mm-hmm. in this lifetime? And I was like, mm-hmm. Well, listen, Ruth, I think we could all agree <laughs> that she doesn't need to learn it by living with a crackhead in the woods who beats her with no running water. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, can we I mean you do, do raise a
0: good point there, yes.
1: <laughs> and she was like, Here's the thing though, I'm not God. I cannot agree with that. I have no idea. Mm-hmm what she needs to experience. Mm-hmm. And the truth is neither to you. And then she went on to really clarify what was actually going on for me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was that. She was like, Tara, you have worked for decades to create an internal sense of peace yes. in your life. Yes. You've been in therapy for 25 years. <laughs> yes. And what you really want is her dumpster fire of a life to stop messing with the peace yeah. that you've created over decades. Yeah. So you would like her pain to end so your pain can end. Yes, yes. And I was like, wait a minute, uh, that's so true.
0: (laughs) Well, and in that way, it feels or it sounds like there's a sense of wanting to control that outcome in order to gain internal control.
1: Yeah. And to stop because I was codependently attached to her. Yes. Her pain was my pain. Yes. I couldn't rest, yeah, because she was in that situation. I didn't know how to create an appropriate boundary, yeah, in that relationship by respecting that even if I disagreed with what was going on, mm-hmm. that respecting her right to be self determined,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I did end up saying to her, "Listen, I can't talk to you about the person that you're with and the situation that you're in." Mm-hmm. Because we talk about the same thing and nothing yeah. changes. Yeah. So you feel better when we get off the phone. I feel like someone threw up toxic waste on yeah. me, and now I'm left to be processing these feelings. Yes. And I love you, but I'm stepping back some. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say to you is that if and when you ever are ready to change your situation yeah. and change your life, like I'm your girl. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm all in. Yes, yes to support, Mm -hmm. to help. And then nine months later, she was like, okay, I'm all ready. I'm like, okay, good. And I barely talked during those nine months. But then after that, my husband and I had a little lake house that was like, trust me, in upstate New York, you call (laughs) them camps. They're not like fancy. But we winterized it so she could move out of that place and be somewhere with running water and heat, of course. She went back to school. She became a a certified nurse's assistant. Like, she got sober. Her life changed, yeah, but she got to feel proud, yes, about her life changing, not me stepping in, yes, as the hero child, which is my role in my family yes you know?
0: yes, yes this is that's such a beautiful illustration of of all of this uh, when we were first talking about um, you know the the covert or overt attempts at control again, what I initially heard was attempts to control another person and drawing from my own. <laughs> wealth of experience Mm -hmm. in codependent relationships across literally every facet of life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of it. I'm very aware of it, which is why I'm so curious to know also what it does not look like in a relationship. But Mm -hmm. just knowing that anytime I've been in that position, I never felt like I was trying to control another person. But I Mm -hmm. promise you, I was always trying to control my own level of peace and safety and security. And for so much that, like, out, I'm sure that was born out of all of the trauma across all of the decades came that real safe. A safety mechanism you know the maybe ill-informed or outdated safety mechanism to protect myself from mm-hmm. that actual physical pain that emotional pain that becomes embodied as physical pain and now that I feel personally like I'm I'm on the other side of that and I've learned new relational patterns
2: mm-hmm.
0: I can see it as I'm starting to date again that I you know I'll text somebody and I wanted to be there and I want to tell them everything and I'm Mm -hmm. so aware of like we got to pull this back because we know where that leads to yep so what does what's the opposite of that you know in in even more detail like what does not codependent look like Mm -hmm. in a relationship pattern
1: um mutual respect Mm -hmm. but mutual respect for being self-determined Mm -hmm. for being sovereign, right? It's There's something about, like in my marriage, you know, I mean, I got married when I was in my early 30s, but and that was 20-something years ago. So it's like I was way more actively codependent then, but I'd already had a lot of therapy, so I wasn't super terrible. But over the years, I've been able to really see that, you know, I always tell this story about my husband who's, you know, he's a political artist and an Mm -hmm. artist, and he's an on-the-spot, like a, he's a visual journalist. It's called, mm-hmm. where he goes into like war zones and different places and draws what he sees wow. and then reports that. Wow. So when he first started this in like the 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. you know the, our kids are at that point like 20s, late teens, 20s, and they're wanting to, you know, say to me. Mm-hmm. So he was going to Iraq. This is at the height of the the conflict. Mm-hmm. And he was literally going to be, a, you know, a forward base, which is close, you know, a, an active base, right? Wow. And the kid, you know, I remember one of one of our kids, Alex. I went out to Cali to see him, and he was like, "Tara, how are you letting Dad
2: mm-hmm.
1: go to a war zone mm-hmm. to like draw people?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I go, "Well, ow." <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I love Dad, but I don't own Dad. Like, yeah. I how am I stop? Like, what would happen? You know, I have the power to stop Dad. Yeah. I could guilt him. I could manipulate him. Yeah. I could do a lot of things. Yeah. I could just request it and he wouldn't go. Yes. But this is dad's heart's desire. Yes. And we don't have little kids. Listen, if, if yeah. I had infant twins at home, would I be like, sure, go to a war zone? <laughs> Probably not. But that wasn't our situation. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to the kids, like, hey, I'm just blessed to be journeying with dad mm-hmm. on this life trip, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
1: how do you think dad would feel about me Mm -hmm. if I guilted him out of doing something that he's waited and wanted to do his entire adult career? And I just have to have faith Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that whatever will happen, I was prayed he'd be okay. I was nervous as hell the whole five weeks he was there, but you know, and then it gets easier the more he would do those things. But that's an example of not being codependent. Yes. I controlled as much as I possibly could by getting a ridiculous amount of insurance that mm-hmm. if something happened to him, there would yes. be like a helicopter that would fly in and pick yes. him up and air, yes. air lift him somewhere. Yeah. You know, I, I did what I could to assuage my own fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's like that that's one example of working really hard mm-hmm. <laughs> to. See the other person mm-hmm. as not an, as separate from me, yes. And I think that healthy love means that we care about what our person wants for themselves, or what our friend mm-hmm. wants for themselves, or what our sibling wants for themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you are, um, when, when we're highly codependent, there's a tendency to um, be the insta advice giver, yes. right? Auto advice, yeah. We are. We 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 know what people should do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like that is such a missed opportunity, mm-hmm, as we mm-hmm. were saying at the top, to actually get to know. And so part of this process and part of what I'm teaching in this book that I have coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of these things that we're talking about in codependency, these are all boundary issues. It's all boundaries. Right? So you you have to learn the language. Mm-hmm of healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. and of this deepens the intimacy in your relationships. Mm -hmm. But you have to know, like, what is your side of the street and what isn't?
0: So then how does fear of rejection uh, fuel feed into that? How how does that, how is that born out of fear of rejection?
1: Well, we don't want to be rejected. So therefore, we say yes when we want to say no.
2: Mm.
1: Or we agree to things that we don't want to do. Or we have bad boundaries like with codependency.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're not thinking about deepening the intimacy. We're so afraid of being abandoned. Yes. Right? We're so afraid of being left. I'm
0: sorry, yeah. I felt very seen there for just a quick second. I couldn't hold that back in. Like, yeah, I know specifically what you're talking about, just you're for like, the
1: record. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Fear of abandonment. What would that feel like? I <laughs> yeah,
1: hello. <laughs> but so what we do though is we make ourselves um, irreplaceable ah uh, we work to make ourselves yeah. utilitarian right if i add enough value mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to your daily experience mm-hmm. then you can't leave me yeah because you will need me yeah right so and i remember you know be, being early on in my relationship with my husband like early on i remember him saying I mean, I knew after two weeks. I never wanted to get married before we met. Yeah. And then after two weeks, he had three acting out teenage sons who was a widower. Like, just the wow. most messy situation in the world. Wow. And I was like, perfection. I found my family. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And my husband was like, then my boyfriend was like, I want to put your name on the deed to the house. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. And he was like, because, you know, you, know, you, you are, are here and I want, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I was like, dude. I don't want half your house. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I got all, my own money. Mm-hmm. When we get married, we'll put everything together if that's yeah. what we agreed to. But you, I don't need your house. Mm-hmm. Like, I, literally, you are so much more than enough for me to stay. Yes, yes, yes. Like, half your real estate is not necessary. Yes. And I wouldn't let him do that. I was like, stop it. It's mm-hmm. like ridiculous. But it's almost like this—that was him not feeling like enough and feeling like I was coming into this. You know, I inherited his mess, as he likes to say. I'm like, oh, shut up. That's not (laughs) at all what happened. But I was like, that's not it. And I am Mm -hmm. fully um, Mm self-determined. Like, I'm doing what I want with my eyes wide open. You don't need to bribe me with your house, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But anyway, back to how fear of rejection Fuels mm-hmm. codependency. It makes us want to be there for all the things. Mm-hmm. It makes us want to fix all the problems, mm-hmm. right? It makes us want to make ourselves irreplaceable. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like if I can just stay top of mind enough and become, as you say, irreplaceable in their life. Oh, perfect! I hacked the system. Then I can never be rejected again. <laughs> it doesn't work, by the way. <laughs>
1: but Flawed let's talk model. about what it. <laughs> but let's talk about what it does do. Yes. It makes you tired
2: mm-hmm.
1: because you're over-functioning, mm-hmm. over-giving, mm-hmm. over-feeling. It makes you resentful mm-hmm. because when we're giving from a place of fear, yes. no matter how friggin' grateful someone is, mm-hmm. they can never be grateful enough Correct. because it is dysfunctional giving. Yeah. So there's this gaping hole, right? And the hole that we are seeking... For others to fill mm. is a hole that only self love
2: mm-hmm.
1: can fill. Mm-hmm. So the truth is, it doesn't like, like there's literally no, it, it doesn't work. So yes. we set relationships up to fail mm-hmm. when we are looking for them to make us feel okay mm-hmm. about ourselves. So, mm-hmm. in the way that I teach the language of boundaries and the whole thing from soup to nuts is, mm-hmm. <laughs> We start with the premise that self-love mm-hmm. is the only path to any other love worth having, right? You're to any other agree. healthy yeah. love. And so all of the notions and the bullshit that people say, like, you complete me and you
0: <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs>
1: I'm like, you don't know. It's not even possible. It's yeah. literally not even possible. Yeah. And What I always, when I'm teaching, and you know, I have a course, Real Love Revolution course, and I've got a Boundary Mm -hmm. Bootcamp course, and I'll be teaching a course that basically goes along with the um, Boundary Boss book. It's from the premise that it's, you know, you are this this amazingly delicious piece of cake. Yes. Just yum. And when we partner with someone Mm -hmm. who's like our person, like Mm -hmm. that's like that amazing cake with like icing. Or, like, that amazing cake with, like, a side of amazing cappuccino. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, legit, that cake is awesome by itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it stands alone. It does, and I think Mm -hmm. that that is a really important place to go from because people with dating and love are always trying to hack the system of, like, what is it? I'm like, I know, trust me when I tell you, I know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It's your repetition from childhood. Mm -hmm is what is happening
2: mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm.
1: And so we're, we're never looking out, right, of like, so well, if this person were different, then it would be different. If this, mm-hmm. you are the, you're the common mm-hmm. denominator in your life. Absolutely. So when you become an expert on you, mm-hmm. like what did you see mm-hmm. when it comes to boundaries, effective communication, mm-hmm. love, sex, romance, all of it. Mm-hmm. When you go, oh my God, That is part of why I find myself in this situation. Hello. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's what I saw happening between my folks Mm -hmm. or between my parental impactors or my single parent or whomever it was. So there's all of these different ways that I help you reveal your own downloaded boundary blueprint.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, because that's the pattern that goes on repeat because it feels safe to do so, right? So until we change that pattern, we keep... Going through the motions of that pattern of that blueprint. Do you think, and have you witnessed in your own practice with your own clients, if there has been significant trauma to create a codependent uh, behavioral pattern, is it possible not to undo that, but is it possible to do it differently? Or is it possible to have the acceptance and the awareness that that is, for example, the baseline pattern? And that we can choose to still, like, be aware of that, but act differently with a lot of conscious intention.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Which is why, really, which is why I teach and why I wrote the book. Because okay. I've helped, I mean, tens of thousands of women around the world. Yes. The last time I gave the boundary course, there were 95, 95 countries represented yeah. in that course That's of amazing. Women. So we're talking about lots of different kinds of trauma that people are coming, you know, coming back from. Yes. Now, the only thing I say, that if you have complex childhood trauma Mm -hmm. that has not been treated in some way, then you shouldn't do any online course or read any friggin book or do anything. Like you need... (laughs) (laughs) One-on-one. That needs to be unpacked Mm -hmm. professionally. And if you can't afford that, there are all kinds of... Well, we can give some... Mm -hmm. um, some free resources in the show notes Mm -hmm. for any folks who need that because that's the first Mm -hmm. step. And what happens is if you haven't done that step, Mm -hmm. that then anything like my work and my work in the book is deep. Like I'm telling you, I'm literally walking you down the basement steps Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) into your unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. I've got like a, got a little miner's lamp on my head. (laughs) You are not alone. (laughs) But, you know, we're going to be opening up some boxes and some packages that maybe you never looked at. Yes. So you don't want that to be the first time you're looking at something that's traumatic, right? You want to, if you know you have a background, then get the help that you need. Yes. But having said that, I've helped thousands and thousands of women, sometimes just the realization of like, oh my God, so this is what I'm repeating. Yeah. So I call it, you know, repeating relationship realities yes. or repeating boundary realities mm-hmm. and all of these different ways where mm-hmm. you can go, okay, so why, mm-hmm. why am I doing that? It, it seems so counterintuitive, right? Mm-hmm. When, when clients would say to me, how am I in this same friggin' situation? Oh, yeah, yeah. How am I with the same unavailable person again Yeah. or the same petty person, whatever, whatever the repetition is. Totally. And so I came up this way and I'm going to share it with your listeners right now because I think it's really helpful and it's a tool mm-hmm. that you can use for anything mm-hmm. to uncover where you might be having a transference.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So what's a transference? That means that a current situation is being fueled and in. Formed
2: mm-hmm.
1: by an unresolved past situation, mm-hmm. which might create an amplified response from you, where you might be overly upset about something or mad about something or sensitive to something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give you, I call them the three cues for clarity. Mm-hmm. So let's say you can bring to mind, if you're listening, or you can do it right now, find a situation where you're like, huh, well, This, I've been here too many times. (laughs) What is the deal? Like, why? Mm -hmm. And then think about that situation. Think about the person and ask yourself who does this person remind me of? Mm -hmm. Now, they don't have to physically Mm -hmm. remind you, they may, but who do they remind you of? That's the first question. Where have you felt like this before? Mm -hmm. So, get the quality of the feeling when you're interacting or whatever's happening. Where have you felt like that before? Mm -hmm. And how or why is this behavioral dynamic, the way that you're interacting with this person, Mm -hmm. how is that familiar to you? Now, that could be because you witnessed it. Mm -hmm. It could be the way that parental impactors Mm -hmm. interacted with each other. It could be you with a parent. We don't know. So if you ask those questions, you go, huh, this person, this repeated situation does remind me. And, And listen, if it doesn't, That doesn't mean anything. This is just a tool that is likely to give you some clarity. But if it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with you, right? Maybe it's just a situation. Like, I don't know. But so can you, for the situations that you come up with, are you able to make a connection yourself, please, Mm -hmm. Mm too. Yes? Mm -hmm. You want to share what it is or no?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I
0: was hoping you would ask. Oh, yeah. It, It always comes back to, I describe it as like begging at the table for crumbs of love. Right? And just like proving and proving and proving and proving and proving how worthy I was of loving, and having somebody to be a little bit, that one person in particular be like a little bit interested in that, and then just taking it away, mm-hmm. and then a, a different person in that same marriage, um, just not noticing, and like me like doing tricks and performing and calling out and just having it be completely,
1: completely, completely ignored. So that's a very mm-hmm. familiar pattern. Okay. So once you're aware and you go, okay, so this is like this parental impactor or this Mm -hmm. parental impactor, this Mm -hmm. is what I experienced. Then we go, okay, so here I am again. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What would be different? Because here's the thing. I'm not 10 and -hmm. this person is not my parental impactor. So you're like, what would the adult me? What would the healthy me? So first question is like, what does the kid need? Yes. So the child within, if there is something that is still sticky enough for us to be repeating, yes it makes me go, okay, that original injury yes. needs something. Yes. It needs us to write about it or yeah. um, talk about it or mm-hmm. share about it or get back into therapy about yeah. it or simply open a dialogue with the inner child, yes. which, side note, before I became a psychotherapist. The notion of inner child, I was like, that is such bullshit. Stop. And
0: then until you get into it and you're like, this is the most transformative healing work on the planet.
1: I know. I could <laughs> not believe I'm like obsessed with John, uh, what's his name, Bradshaw, <clears throat> who really is the father of this mm-hmm. work and who wrote Homecoming. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: But I'm not kidding. For years, I was like, come on. Come on. Childhood. I
0: know. Stop.
1: <laughs> just stop it. I can't. I wish it was named something different though, because mm-hmm. just it still has a weird name to me. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's so valuable. Mm -hmm. And it's within four months of being a psychotherapist, I was like, oh my God, this is true for everyone. Oh, I know.
0: I know. I know. And it's (sighs) fascinating to me that you can heal your seven-year-old self and then, you know, I always use the example of, like, you're buying, you're shopping the cereal aisle at Walmart, and all of a sudden, 10-year-old is like, hello there, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to come on back and give that same attention to me. It's like, oh, my yep. God, there are a lot of children in here that need a lot of adult <laughs> attention. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, they do. They, you know what they really need, though, at least what they really need when we think about it? Mm-hmm. When we start having healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. initiating... Um, truthful conversations, Mm -hmm. honoring our preferences, our desires, our limits, our deal breakers. When we start doing those things, every age of every kid within us starts to breathe a sigh of relief because Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is that every time we don't, every time that we abandon ourselves, Mm -hmm. because if you think about the way that most of us were raised, raised and praised for being self-abandoning totally, codependents. That's totally. a fact, as women, at least mm-hmm. in the you know, U.S. society and mm-hmm. every other country <laughs> around mm-hmm. the world that yes. I've taught anyone from, it's the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like until we start to really this process of becoming a boundary boss, which means you're not bossy, it means yeah. you're doing it with ease and grace. Yes. And when appropriate, love. Right, Mm -hmm. Because, hey, it's not always appropriate to do with love. Sometimes you need to be a little fierce about it, and that's okay, too. So it's not like one size fits all across the board. But when we start treating ourselves Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with love Mm -hmm. and respect, and like we're the most important person in our lives Mm -hmm. and our heart, because that love affair that you have with yourself, Mm -hmm. if you look at what dictates what happens in our lives, Mm Our relationship with ourselves sets the bar for every other relationship that we have. Yes, People look to you, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, she doesn't give a crap about herself. She mm-hmm. never sleeps. She always is mm-hmm. like, it's okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do mm-hmm. it. She's over-functioning. She's always the one willing, never gets mad about anything. Totally. She's always last on her own list. She'll always give up alone time to do things right. Yeah. Then people expect that. Maybe because they're takers, that's yes. one thing. Yeah. Or because they believe you. Yes when you act like you want to do it Mm -hmm. and so we really got to get our own Mm self-esteem and our own relationship to ourself Mm -hmm. that is the most important to become a boundary master to become Mm -hmm. a master of love Mm -hmm. to become abundant and successful in our lives it all begins and ends with our relationship to self It's so interesting
0: to me in those relationships that have not that don't have great boundaries, that are there's a lot of codependency. Then when you hit that moment of arrival of enough and find and maybe it's just burnout, right? Maybe it's burnout Mm -hmm. that determines the enoughness of it. But you change the game and you set or declare a boundary that boundary violates the sanctity of the contract you had. And now we've got a completely different relationship dynamic, right? Because you changed the rules. And I love that you can then take that going forward into different, newer, and healthier relationships to try again.
1: Right. But here's the thing about we have silent agreements. Mm -hmm. is what I write about in the book.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that when you start to change the boundary dance, Mm -hmm hey, man, someone's going to notice. Yes. <laughs> the other person's like, uh, wait a minute. So Harriet Lerner, who's one of my personal heroes, mm-hmm. I mean, I love her and her work. She's just so friggin' brilliant. <laughs> so she wrote, you know, The Dance of Anger, The Dance of Deception, The Dance of Intimacy, like all these books in the 90s and mm-hmm. his, the, you know, marriage and tons of stuff since then. But she talks about relationships mm-hmm. as a dance and that when you change something, mm-hmm. the other person... Is gonna do what she calls a change back move. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they're really trying to get you on the dance floor. <laughs> they're really mm-hmm. trying to get you out, get you to do it. If you're like, oh hey, like I'm not going to have this conversation this way. It's yes. gotten too heated. I'm stepping off. I'm gonna be, you know, we can come back. And then they'll like say one last really messed up thing yes. where they're. It's like they're kicking you in the shin to be mm-hmm. like, no, come on, I do this and you do this. Come play, yeah because they're afraid of you changing too. Mm -hmm. And so when we change our boundary dance, we have to be aware that there could be some pushback. Yes. And that's why I always teach that we do it baby steps at Mm -hmm. a time. And we start with lower priority people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you start training your hairdresser, your mail carrier, your... Person, you know, when you go out to lunch, whenever that can happen again, yes. where you, you know, if it comes and it's the wrong thing, mm-hmm. you actually nicely send that shit back yes. instead of not if you normally wouldn't. Yes, and there are a million ways that you can start mm-hmm. to, um, draw these boundaries. Be more truthful. Yes, right. Prioritize your preference. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a big deal, right, where people are like, whatever, prioritize. I cannot tell you how mm-hmm. many clients I've had over the last two and a half decades mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, but like, what brings you joy? Yeah. And you know, they're like, they can't I, I don't know. Out. I know. Never thought about it. I know. I'm like, mm, how about thinking about it now then? Because <laughs> this is how we're going to build your life and yeah. we need to know how you feel. But when, especially if you're codependent, yeah. we've spent so much time with our focus on others. Mm-hmm that we don't even think it's a valuable pursuit. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. Right? To be like, I'm going to really get to know me. But don't worry, in the book, I walk you through the entire getting to know you thing because here's the thing. We can't do the boundary stuff if you don't know Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what is okay with you and not okay with you in all areas Mm -hmm. of your life. So Mm -hmm. we do everything from like, the lighting in your bathroom yeah. to the way you interact in your relationship. like yeah. Everything big and small, because the truth is that so much of the time, mm-hmm. we could make small changes. Yes. Right? That would give us more satisfaction if we prioritize our preferences. Yes. We ourselves can be like, you know what? I never like this friggin' blanket yeah. on my bed. I'm I don't getting like rid it, of now. it. I know. It doesn't feel good. I'm giving it to goodwill and I'm getting one that I like. Yeah. Or I'm going in the closet and finding one that I like. Like yeah. putting in the effort yeah. for you, mm-hmm. getting to know what matters, that makes it so much easier when you get into a relationship to actually negotiate to get your needs met. Mm-hmm. Because when we're codependent we don't even know what our needs are because our needs are to not be rejected. Yes, 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 period. To be of service. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To make sure nobody's mad at us. Yeah, yeah. To make sure we know where that person is at all times. Yeah. Yeah. You know know. what I
0: mean? Um, That's so funny. The other day I had an electrician come and I was so annoyed with my lights, like my chandelier, which is beautiful, being on full blast all the time. I was like, dude, get a dimmer switch. And it's just like, it's just that, you know, it's that instant change of like, Oh, there it is. It's just so much more peaceful and lovely.
1: Simple, simple, simple. And e- you know what, the least? It's not simple, mm-hmm. though, even though it's simple to do. Yeah. Every time you make it be from bright and killing you to like yeah. cozy and then what you want, yeah. that will give you pleasure. It, right. It makes you feel masterful. Yes. It makes you feel self determined yeah. because you are being self determined. Yes. So I, it's like the perfect example. Yeah. Of what I mean. Yeah. Well, and the other night too, I was um, ordering,
0: I, I mean, we're all at home right now anyway, but I spent like like $150 on candles or incense or something. And I was like, what did I just, I invested in being at home. Like this is how I'm spending my time. So I'm going to make it so beautiful and so pleasurable and smell exactly how I want
1: it to smell. So yep. order that up. <laughs> it's so true because these are small, like quote yeah. unquote small things, but when you start doing it... yes. They're all radical um, self-love and self-care yes. actions. They really are. Yeah. To just say, it's okay mm-hmm. for me to buy candles mm-hmm. that will bring me like hundreds of hours of joy. I, I know, I know. Right? Like a long time of joy.
0: <laughs> so when you, um, just before we wrap with mm-hmm. with the book and some more details about the book, you had a pretty radical career change in your 30s from going from being a talent agent Working with entertainers, celebrities, models, etc., to doing this, and I, as a coach, looking in, like I want to know that story. There's because there's got to be a story there of how you went from talent agent into psychotherapist with a specific niche focus on boundaries and, and empowerment. Can you share a little bit yep. about that? Sure.
1: Um, you know, I think part of the the real story is that I was always very driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought I was just ambitious, like mm-hmm. literally, that's what I thought. So as soon as I got into entertainment, I was like eye on the prize, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna go, 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 switch, you know, agencies enough until I got to the point where in my early 30s, I was running a bicoastal al- um talent agency, the New York um office of that, negotiating contracts full time for supermodels and celebrities. Wow. That's basically what I was doing. You know, I had a whole staff and mm-hmm. all of that. But what happened is, on my way up that ladder, I kept thinking, the next job, the next more money, the next famous, famous person, the next, the next. I was going to feel the way that I wanted to feel, Mm -hmm. the way that I imagined Mm -hmm. I would feel. But then I got to, like, the top of the heap, and I was like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I still don't feel that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's got to be something better I could be doing. Mm -hmm with my gifts and talents than making supermodels richer. Mm -hmm. There has to be. Mm -hmm. This can't be my Dharma, like, no way. And even though no one in the world understood why I would change careers Mm -hmm. and go to social work school at that point at NYU and get, like, a hundred grand in debt and, you know, how was I doing that when I literally had no money saved and I was, you know, living on my own in New York City? And yet I just figured, you know, when I finally just leaped, took the leap, I was like, I'm just going to pray a better net is going to appear. Yes. And I've never needed that much
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, to be happy. Like, Mm -hmm. I never, the trappings of stuff never was like my thing. I'm a pretty middle-class girl.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, My heart. And so I was, luckily, I had a rent-stabilized apartment. (laughs) I was teaching at NYU, teaching acting Mm -hmm. at NYU at that point. Um, And I just turned the corner, and part of what inspired it
2: Mm -hmm
1: was yes, I didn't feel the way that I wanted to mm-hmm. feel, but I also knew that I had outgrown the industry. Yes, I kept wanting to change people. What, what happened in my personal mm-hmm. life throughout that time is that therapy changed my life. Mm-hmm. I stopped drinking in my early mm-hmm. 20s when I was still in college. Mm-hmm. I had tons of therapy. I had over 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, super into getting people into therapy yeah so what i was doing is i was getting all of these models and celebrities into like eating disorder clinics and rehabs and getting people into therapy and that was what was really satisfying yeah and i had to just say to myself listen you do not give a crap Mm
2: -hmm.
1: about negotiating this movie deal Mm -hmm. or this pantene contract Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be excited but what you want to care about what you do care about is like did they get off heroin right so that tells you something Mm -hmm. and I just hit a pivot where I just was like I have to do what I have to do and Mm -hmm. one of my best friends who had been my assistant years before Mm -hmm. was like hi I want to go to social work school to become therapist and I was like uh yes I think so and just applied to one school yeah applied to NYU and I thought Listen, I'm not going to like Omaha to go to grad school. So if it if I don't get into NYU, I'm I'm gonna take it as a sign that it's not meant to be. Yeah. And then when I got accepted, I was like, holy crap, now I have to go. You (laughs) you can't get accepted and not go. So that was sort of the the shift and the change. Yet what had to happen is I had to make sure I would be okay being Mm -hmm. broke for a while. Yeah. I had to make sure that I would be okay. I mean, my biggest, the biggest um, difficulty in the transition was my fear yes. of going from being way masterful, yes, like being at the top of my game, knowing mm-hmm. what I was doing, mm-hmm. being the best at what I was doing, to being not masterful at all,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Being in this crazy learning curve, mm-hmm. and yet, as soon as I got into school, I loved it so much, and I still do all these yes. years later. So that's so beautiful. I love the, like the Trojan horse analogy
0: that, you know, it sounds like your talent agent years, it was almost a a Trojan horse to be like an agent of
1: social change on an individual therapeutic level. Totally, It really was. I didn't know that, of course, at the time. Yeah. I kept wanting to change the business, though, right? Yeah. I kept being like, um, talking to the the modeling people and being like, because I was the TV and film person. Yes. And I was like, can we stop referring to the models as girls, please? Yes. They're grown women. Yes, you know, like, yes. <laughs> I remember when I was running the TV department at Ford for a while before, <laughs> once I was out of the business. And Katie Ford, I kept going into her and being like, you know, Katie, I- I'm actually concerned about, like... <laughs> She's like, dude, you just need to get the hell out of this I was going to say, just,
0: you've moved no. on. I know. Uh, your 30-year-old self is very much my ideal client for somebody who's kind of gone through the checklist, has overachieved, has done it, and doesn't feel the way they want to feel. And you get mm-hmm. to that point of realizing like, oh, shit, we don't want the thing. We want the feeling we think the thing is going to bring us. So yes. I, I, real, I work with people who are in that. Um, state and phase all the time. And it's so satisfying to have that front row seat to be the facilitator who almost like, who facilitates, I was going to say enables, I was like, that sounds icky right now, (laughs) who facilitates that process. Of, yeah. of going beyond that threshold and, and, you know, being the person who's kind of holding your hand as you're leaping and waiting for that net to show up and kind of yes. being there as you as you experience
1: that massive change. You know what I wish I had at the time, and probably you, maybe you work with your clients with this, mm-hmm. is if, you know, my girlfriend, Danielle Laporte, you know, she mm-hmm. did the desire map. Yes. And it's like, I always think about like my, my core desired feelings. Yes. If anyone, if Danielle had written that friggin' book when I was in my 30s, <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> I would have been like, Oh, my core desired feeling. My top one is freedom, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. never going to happen mm-hmm. working 18 hours a day as a talent agent. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and it's almost like you can back into yeah. what you want to do so much um, more effectively Yeah. when you know how you want to feel. Yes,
0: I know right? that that's exclusively what I do with clients and we oh, always and we I do like a breakthrough day with them, but we start with values and you know and it goes against a lot of other coaching models, but it's like we spend almost two hours going back to back on what is important to you not you the daughter, the boss, the employee, the wife, the mother, whatever. what's important to you the person and it's the conversations and insights and clarity that come out of those values based conversations. That sets the tone. That sets the new filter for literally every other decision moving forward because suddenly it's not so scary. If you really value freedom, it becomes so clear that like, oh, you're trapped right now.
1: Yes. And there's all of this hope because what you're really doing is creating possibilities and a pathway for people to live their highest desired feelings, right? And then it doesn't become so
0: disembodied of like, oh, that would be nice one day, but is it even possible for me to have it? Suddenly it's like, no, that vision that I'm having, for example, a cabin in upstate New York is so wildly aligned with what I value in this life. You shorten that distance, right? It's so beautiful. Yep.
1: And it happens. Yes, Every single thing that is on your, you just don't give up yes. right, on what it is that you want. Oh, wait, and I, we created some uh, free gift for your people. Yes. So let me tell you about it quick. Please um, do. To go get your free gift, you're going to go to boundarybossme forward slash Wilcox. You guys know how to spell it because you're <laughs> listening to her podcast right now. Um, and it's basically just a whole bunch of strategies. I'm giving you some um, some scripts because, and mm-hmm. sentence starters because a lot of times it's you, you have an idea of what you want to say or how yes. you want to shift. But you're like, ah, but I don't have the word. So it's a whole bunch of things like helping you identify where you're most codependent and how you can change that with different strategies. That's so beautiful. The official
0: book launch date of Boundary Boss is April 20th?
1: Yes. Right now, we've been in pre-launch for the past like month and a half maybe. So people can pre-order right now. Um, Is Amazon preferred for you or via your website? Yeah, I'd say Amazon's preferred, but, you know, if if you're in the U.S., but here's the thing. You Mm -hmm. want to go to BoundaryBossBook.com because then you put in your little receipt, and I have a zillion bonuses, and we have a whole um, ambassador program that people can be a part of simply from buying the book. We really have gone all out because it is my first Book, yes. although I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, yeah, so
2: I, <laughs> yeah <it>. I
1: know. <laughs> and if you buy the book, then you also get an invite to our virtual party on the 27th, which is going to be amazing, right on 7 to 10 p.m. Right on. So there's lots of great stuff. So the book is called Boundary Boss The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free.
0: Uh, this is just such a welcome gift to the world. I think that you are such a gift to the world. I oh. cannot. Linear language cannot convey my gratitude (laughs) and honor for you being here with me today. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It was a great and very easy conversation. (laughs) Much appreciated.
0: There is no magic formula. Except knowing that the magic formula is that we are all figuring this out. That there is no real end point. Each and every one of us is in a process of self-creation. What if there is no right way? What if there is no wrong way? What if there's just your way. How freeing would it be to know that every decision you make is the right decision for you? Can you love yourself enough to detach from outcome or from judging that things are good or bad and accepting that they just are? Yeah, you fucking can.